Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Hello, everyone. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to take a moment and thank you. As you might have noticed, this is episode 100! We are so proud and humbled to have entertained you for the last few years, and reaching 100 episodes is something I am so grateful for that it's hard to really say thank you enough. When we were trying to decide if we wanted to do anything different or special for this episode, the consensus was to deliver the D&D show you've come to hear. But everyone wanted to record something special, some special little bit of thanks for bringing us this amazing milestone. So stick around after the show to hear some messages from Jack, Jonathan, Jules, and John. These four fantastic people are the reason I love doing this show every week. Being a DM for them is an honor, and it always leaves me grinning and excited whenever we play. We started the show to raise money for charity, but we continued the show because we had so much fun playing together we didn't want to stop. Even if no one listened to our show, I'd keep doing it, because I love playing with these four amazing human beings. If nothing else comes through in our games, I hope you can see how awesome they are and how much I love them. So thank you for 100 episodes. Thank you for laughing, crying, screaming, yelling, and cheering with us as we go on these adventures together. Thank you. And now I think it's time for the next part of that adventure to begin. Last time on Dungeon Drunks! Deep in the tunnels under Waterdeep, accosted by diseased dogs and the undead, the party decides to stop and rest in their magical house, safely in another dimension. They hope to rest and recover before journeying back to the surface, where other matters require their attention. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren, also known as Oboe Crazy. And tonight I have orange juice and a little bit of a throwback. I have some more of the Hydra Hooch in my orange juice. I haven't had any Hydra Hooch in a little while. For those that don't remember, you want to go listen to our live RTX game. But I, I still had some. And I wanted some orange juice, and I didn't have any vodka. And once again, it's still kicking. Oh, oh, but it's good. Bernie, what are you drinking? Um, I have another beer from uh, Broadhead, and it's their Grindstone Amber Ale. And I haven't tried it yet, so I'm going to tell you if it's good. And? Ooh, it's good. Also, it tastes really good with these little <laughs> mini, like, Snickers that I'm eating for dessert. Ooh, mini Snickers. I have a poll, though, for everyone. Which oh. your uh, orange juice and hydro hooch made me think of. Okay. If you had a Shirley Temple, what would be in it? What is in a Shirley Temple? The blood of Shirley Temple. Isn't it grenadine and Sprite, I thought? Yeah, okay, so who else had grenadine and Sprite? <laughs> Show of I, hands. I don't know Not what me. a Shirley I didn't know what a Shirley Temple was. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I was gonna guess straight vodka. I knew it was a non-alcoholic drink, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't know what was in it. Okay, so I have this question because I grew up and apparently Sedlak did too, uh, drinking Shirley Temples as like the like, oh, it's like, it's a it's a mixed drink that's for children. It's for people who, it's for mostly as a little kid I drink it, but they're still really good. It is grenadine and Sprite, which is an amazing combination. 
And then I got to Canada. And apparently, Shirley Temples in Canada have orange juice in them. I don't know about that. I find that that offensive. And I... Thank you. And I really... (laughs) (laughs) It's not Fresca. We disagree on Fresca. We agree on Shirley Temples. Thank (laughs) the Lord. Consensus. Uh, But... Last night we went to um, actually a really super cool gaming bar slash restaurant and they had a, a, it was called a Dirty Shirley Temple or you'll see it sometimes listed as a Shirley Temple Black, which is usually Shirley Temple plus your choice of alcohol here, which is usually vodka. And I asked for it without the orange juice and they all looked at me funny and I was like, trust me, orange juice just gets in the way of the grenadine. So I'm both surprised that there's only one other person that's ever really had one, but the Canadians are weird in summation, and I needed some affirmation of that. Weird, but awesome. Yeah, still awesome. I still like you you fools. I love your country. It's great living here. You just need to work on your drinks, and we're not going to get into that weirdo, like, Caesar thing. That's for another time. Oh, no, I've had that, and that sucks. Uh, You know who else is weird and awesome? Travancore. What are you (laughs) drinking? Good people of Faerun, the weird and awesome viceway of Glenmore's choice this evening is the uh, Walt Whit unfiltered Belgian-style white ale. And as my journey with the seminal American poet comes to an end, because these are my last two, I find myself longing for a beer inspired by English metaphysical poetry, maybe another wit. We'll have to see what happens. We're, we're getting very close. This episode may actually come out in the new year. I'm not sure. I'd have to do math, but uh, new year, new poet. Who knows? You know who's also a poet? <gasps> Jonathan the Magimuscular. What are you drinking? Uh, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. Tonight, I am taking a night off uh, because I'm not feeling great and just having Diet 7 Up. And that's it. And so no shot tonight, but I love you all. And my fireballs burn with the love that I have for you all. Your balls burn Aww. with love? With a flaming passion, you might say? My, that's one way of putting it. And to a very specific audience, yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you ever need someone to be a designated fireball taker, let me know. I will, Travancore will take one for the team. What if we have a designated this shot of grenadines for you? Oh my God, why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) I'm not doing it to me, I'm doing it to you. I did I did grab the Hydra hooch. You could have just given me a little bit of advanced warning and I could have had a shot glass here. Oh my God, (laughs) no. Yeah, a DFB. That's AL rules, basically. Now, speaking of AL rules, Carlton, why don't you tell us what you're drinking? And also, uh, Carlton has some exciting news about when you guys do level up about some changes to his character. Ooh. Uh, so to start, I am drinking uh, Dublin Original Black Cherry Soda. It's from uh, Dublin, Texas, uh, Dublin Bottling Works. They're probably most well-known for having the Dublin Dr. Pepper, which is the pure cane sugar Dr. Pepper, and it's Ooh. so good. But this is that sounds cherry, so good. And it is delicious. So I'll take a sip. Nom, nom, nom. God, I want some of that. It is very good. Uh, but in regards to the character, when we do take a level up, uh, Xanthar's Guide to Everything has recently come out. So Carlton was the very first character I ever made in D&D ever, and now I've got a binder full of characters of various <laughs> classes and levels and races and all kinds of backstories and funness. But Carlton always has a special like place in my heart for being the first. And when I built him, I knew nothing about like D&D and the mechanics and all that. And so when Xanthars came out, there was a new barbarian path uh, that I really thought fit and meshed well with Carlton's story as it has developed over the course of our podcast. And I find it would make me a little bit more happy. Not that I was having not having fun playing a 
Berserker Barbarian, but I feel like I would have a much uh, an enjoyable time really role-playing out this new path with the course that we've taken. And so I've talked to Lauren about it. And so when we level up, I will no longer be a Berserker Barbarian, but I will now be a Path of the Ancestral Guardian Barbarian. So you'll get to see some fun stuff happening with that. So stay tuned. Yes. So if you are at home and you're, you're wondering, oh, if I pick a character, I'm like stuck with that character for a while. No. I mean, talk to your DM, but... Always uh, talk most to of your DM. Are, always <laughs> talk to your DM. Don't just show up with a different character. But if you want to change something, just talk to your DM. We would rather have you happy because when you're happy and you're happy playing your character, everybody else is having more fun. And if... And it doesn't mean we have to kill your character. It doesn't mean we have to change your character. It doesn't even really mean all the time, like, we have to explain what happened. Like, you know, we'll see what happens with Carlton, but it's a big enough change that we thought that we mentioned something at the top so that it's not just like a, all of a sudden you're completely different. Surprise! (laughs) What the hell are these things? Uh, Oh, just my ancestors. Because there are people who will, who will notice and be concerned. And this is, this is a sanctioned change in, in Carlton Tanks. Same Carlton, different abilities. Can I ask a Carlton Tanks question? Because I I love you folks dearly, and I've been trying to piece all of your backstories together. (laughs) How many sets of parents does Carlton have? Because you have the wolves that you told us you were raised by, and then you have these human people, but you are obviously a half-orc. So this three, you got three parents? Are we going to encounter more parents? Nope. Because this is are, going to make Thanksgiving is... hard. This is going to make <laughs> shopping for Christmas harder. What do you get, a wolf? Do, I, I'm sure dog biscuits are offensive. Listen, I only get a, I only get a new set of parents when the old parents set die. So once the Eagle Shield die, then I'll find a new set of parents. But that's the only time I get new parents is when the last set are no longer with us. Jesus, yes, I'm up you to already have a parent <laughs> replacement plan? Yeah, he gets an automatic <laughs> parent respawn. I don't like you being an orphan. You could teach a kinship class in anthropology about you. <laughs> also, I would like to point out, all of you helped get a present for Carlton's wolf parents. You uh, cleared the crypt's garden of rot and saved it. But are your wolf parents also dead? Yeah, wolf mamas. Wolf mamas, so wolf dead. Well... I just, sorry, I just need to clarify, because I've been wanting to ask this question for a little while now, Bernie has been wanting to ask this question, there's some times when we overlap, this is one of them. Well, we'll say, because at the end of the last episode, you guys retreated a little bit, you came out of the, the, the second floor that you'd gone down in the tunnels under the bloody fist, you had killed a couple of things, you had fought a few things, you'd tried to retreat, and Bucks had tried to escape and get a note out to Olivia Passerac, and had been driven back by a bunch of uh, demon dogs, and you fought those off, and then you decided, you know what, we're gonna put down the pocket house and rest. And so you'd come back up the big stairs, and gone back into the secluded room that you'd found Joster Tealeaf in, and put the teleportation circle down in that room, in a back corner, mostly hidden by the boxes and the stuff that he had put there as a a bit of a shield. And I'll say we've had this discussion on the way up the stairs. So, hey, in canon discussion. (laughs) Now Bernie's like, what do I get your... What do you get wolves for Saturnalia? Uh, Usually uh, meat, deer, elk, game. Dog biscuits would be offensive, right? I don't know. That would be like a racism thing. And, uh, well, no, it would more be more, they're not really a race, they're more of a species, so speciesism, maybe? Speciesism. Let's not argue over terminology. Let's just see <laughs> if I can meet your family without 
A, getting myself, or B, provoking a fight. <laughs> and with that, you all step into the teleportation circle intent on bringing you back to your pocket house. You land, and it's We been put a down Miss Tina, remember? We're putting down. Oh, wait, no, we're doing that. You're, you had talked about doing that. You haven't done it yet because okay. uh, you are just now entering the pocket house. And as I said, it's it's been a little while since you've been in here because you've been staying at the Golden Rock Tavern. In fact, if I have done my math correctly, it's been about 10 days wow. since you've been in here. Oh. Uh, but that's okay. The, it wasn't ever a condition that you stay here indefinitely all the time every night. It was just, you know on a regular basis, but it has been 10 days. And what's interesting about that is when you had left, everything kind of looked the same that it always did. When you come back, Carlton, all those plants that you put down, whoa, there's plants. Woohoo! I have a garden. You have a lot of zucchini. Awesome. We're having zoodle for dinner. You have so much. So as you guys land on the teleportation circle in the dimension of your pocket house, the walkway leading up to the front door had been surrounded by little planters that the Madrans had set up. And while before you had seen maybe a little bit of sprouting, it had just started to sprout. Whether it's because they've suddenly had a growth spurt in the last 10 days or something else has happened, there's been a lot of growth. You currently have two heads of lettuce, two cabbage, six carrots, a tomato plant. You have one zucchini plant but you can't help but notice that there seems to be zucchini everywhere. Uh, a bean plant, a head of cauliflower, and six potatoes. Wait, how big is that bean plant? The bean plant is pretty large. It's it's one of those tall ones that's got the... Uh, it seems like the moderns have created one of those... Cages is not the right term. Those metal scaffolds so that plants that need to vine onto things can vine onto things. Tomato plants the same way. It's got one of those little metal cages around it. And by metal cage, I mean it's like three wires. Um, but it's a pretty big bean plant. The tomato plant, uh, the tomatoes on it don't seem to be ripe just yet, but there are several. And it looks like you might have about three dozen zucchini. I got a 19 on my nature check to check for James and the, the beanstalk. <laughs> are there any Jameses of beanstalk or giant peach? <laughs> These seem to be regular James. beans. Jacks. Jacks or Jameses. I was going to say. I was like, wait. <laughs> James has peaches. I don't care. James, are there any, any Jacks or Jameses lurking around killing things? No, but there is a uh, Alistair Duke who seems to be currently attending to one of the many, many zucchini that seem to be everywhere. Trevancore thinks to himself, do you want giants? Because that's how you get giants. <laughs> oh my Alistair God. Turns to Jonathan, you do you want and... giants? No, I'm good. Haven't you already had giants? Didn't giants already happen? Yeah. Giants did already happen. Bernie's content to make sure they don't ever happen again. Do you know how big things are to smaller people? Very big. Uh, they're 2 and 11. They, they won't be around for a while. <laughs> Too soon? Oh, dated. Alistair Duke turns to all of you and gives a as he waves and then picks up the zucchini that he had just uh, finished tending to and removing from the plant and comes up and uh, Carlton presents you with, to him, what is obviously, a very, like the zucchini is the size of Alistair Duke. The moderns are, are pretty small and he hefts up this zucchini towards you. I accept it and I look <laughs> at him very proudly and I look at him like, you did good, kid. You did good. Ah. And I pat him on the head. Bernie's making the faces I'm making now. 
just so you know, for some context, Bernie's like looking sideways at Carlton and she's looking at this modern that I guess she's now realized is smaller than her. Yeah, modrons. Well, they're they're probably about the same because Alistair Duke is the round one and he's the shortest of the three. He's probably about two and a half, three feet tall. And then Felix and Piddlesmick are a bit taller, but only maybe like three and a half, four feet. They are not large creatures. They're small. Okay. Why do you think you were able to keep trying to poke one of them in the eye without having to roll dexterity checks? Bernie's an excellent <laughs> poker. <laughs> anyway, he goes back off to tending to is a fairly impressive little garden. Is this normal for 10 days of growth? I did Roll a nature so. check. Can I still use my actual nature check that I rolled that was a 19? Only on the bean plant, but sure. I'll say for a bean plant, considering all these seem to be barely sprouts, if not sprung up, no. Yeah, because Julia the person knows that, but like, it's a fantasy world. Yeah, like Jonathan the, Magimus- <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular looks at this with his intellectual eye as he coughs and uh, cough, cough. And gets a 24 on this nature check to see if this is normal plant growth. No. (laughs) Um, That's all you get. (laughs) Maybe the zucchini, but it's, there seems to be even more zucchini than you would expect. Is this an effect of the pocket house or is there something else going on like i guess will jonathan the magimuscular will start with trying to figure out if there's like a magical effect that is helping this plant growth well then roll an arcana check and uh pick a plant because i don't i don't think you can just if you roll an arcana check affecting the entire area you know because of the 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 nature of this dimension that you are in that this house is contained in there's a it's magical mostly because it's a small enough dimension that you can kind of feel the edges of it in a really weird right. way you've it, got it would grown overwhelm to it. my arcana sense okay i'm gonna focus bit, yeah. on so with my nature which do i think is the plant that's like the most abnormally grown <laughs> all of all of those Jonathan, fucking zucchini. The, Jonathan the person doesn't know. It wouldn't know. So I guess we'll pick the the bean plant. Okay. You uh, walk on over to the bean plant. Go ahead and roll an arcana check. Um, Travancore, meanwhile, Shadow has walked up to where the potatoes are and has started to munch on the wait. He's like pulling the tubers out. And- Hold on. I don't actually think some animals can't yeah. eat potatoes. Shadow, save some for later. <laughs> And he stops eating the one that he's working on. Uh, All right. So that is a 16. No, no, you have to stop that bear. I just stopped him. He can't eat raw potatoes. I just Googled it. (laughs) (laughs) He got like two or three bites into, he got like halfway through a potato and then Travancore stopped him. He's like, (sighs) and he walked away, leaving half a potato there, which very quickly, Alistair Duke runs on over to grab. and he's I'd, I'd like to do a check to see how much just a potato is going to hurt him. Is it like a dog eating one M&M or is it like worse than that? I think it's probably if we adjust for size. Do you want the Google answer or the DM answer? I like the DM answer. The American Kennel Club says no. Oh. Well, that's dogs. Um, Go ahead, Travancore, and roll a animal handling check with advantage. Oh, sweet. Jonathan, what was your arcana check for the bean plant? Uh, 16. The beans don't seem to be magical. The plant doesn't seem to be magical. So it's not the plant itself. It seems to be normal. It's 
definitely grown more than it should, considering what you saw 10 days ago was the state of these plants, but it doesn't seem to be abnormal and it doesn't appear to be magical itself. Okay, what about... So... Y'all think that weird druid snuck in here, grew us some plants? <laughs> yeah, Seekin came in while he was a swan. Uh, <laughs> while you think about that... He waddled in. Travancore, uh, <laughs> 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 what did you roll? 14. It's probably a good thing that you stopped him at half a potato at his size. Eh, it's probably not going to make a difference. But yeah, potato's not the best for for bears from what you remember back home. Just because you're an omnivore doesn't mean you actually have to eat everything. And he kind of looks longingly at all of the food. We'll, we'll, we'll get you something tasty, like a rabbit or something, tomorrow. <sighs> Bernie got a 16 on our dexterity check to poke Piddlesmick in the eyeball. What? <laughs> well, Piddlesmick is not outside at the moment. Which is the one with the eyeball? Alistair Duke. Alistair Duke is the one with the really big, he's the yeah, round that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, considering Alistair Duke is only about two and a half feet tall and has the eye right there. Um, let's see what he rolled. You don't have to <laughs> jump. You could. It's more of an attack roll, but sure, I'll take it. I rolled it earlier and I've been waiting. Well, Damn, he just rolled a 16 before his modifier, which means so he's <gasps> carrying this half a potato that Shadow had just dug into, and he's trying to go back to the house, and you, like, quickly follow him and go to poke him in the eye, and he just, he knows you're coming. You've done this before. He's ready for you. He ducks, and he just keeps going. All right, let's go inside. Eventually, you're going to keep trying. He's going to eventually start getting advantage on these things. Yeah. He's going to, like, repost you one day, like, duck out of the way and poke you back. He's like a perpetual learning machine. The more you do it, the more he's able to resist. Which reminds All me, right. Modrons, line up for inspection. Alistair Duke is just about to go back into the house. He hears you, and you hear him open the door, and and very quickly, all three of them come running out. You can see that uh, Felix and Alistair Duke look fine. Piddleschmick, his hands, uh, he's got three arms and hands that are normally holding pikes, and all three of them are uh, covered in dirt, and one of them is wet, like you caught him in the middle of washing his hands. But they all line up, ready right. to go. So they look fine, otherwise. Roll in investigation check. Yay! Detective Travancore investigates. I mean, your cursory glance over, the only thing wrong is that Piddleschmick needs to wash his hands. Has been 10 days. I know these things don't deteriorate for like years and years. At least that's Travancore's feel. But let's roll that check. 13. Yeah, I mean, Piddleschmick really needs to get into those gears to get the, the dirt out. But otherwise, they seem they seem in good shape and fine. And they, they seem happy to see you. They, they certainly ran out with a lot of energy to come for inspection. Fine members of Automaton Sungum. You have done well. Now go get you cleaned up. And they all go running off. Alistair Duke grabbing the half a potato that he had dropped to come to inspection along the way. All right, I grabbed the potato before Sh Shadow can get to it. <laughs> oh, no, uh -huh. Alistair Duke grabbed it before oh, he, he went oh, in okay, the one okay. that he was hitting. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. And now, now that you've told Shadow not to eat the potatoes, while he is looking longingly at all of the food around him, he, he does not go diving into the dirt for food. I'm pretty sure I could give him a carrot without him being hurt. One would assume. Yeah, bears can eat carrots. All right, I grab uh, a carrot and I feed it to Shadow. Right, yeah, you yank one of the carrots out. It seems to be fully grown. It seems to have been ready to, to be picked. You kind of pull the roots off of it and pull the top off of it and hand it to him. And he was... Oh. And it's just gone. Wow. It's good for their eyeballs. 
Bernie's gonna cast Miss Tina so that she is uh, guardianing the entrance to the uh, pocket house. Okay. And by entrance, you mean where the teleportation circle is or the door to the actual building? We set it up for the teleportation circle, I think, because she's got a uh, 15-foot radius. And I think the last time what you had done was you had set it up, like, just outside of the the teleportation circle because of the way the spell works is when they enter that area. So so she can cover the... it's, It's spirit... Not spirit guardians, it's spirit... It's uh, guardian of faith. Guardian of it's, faith. Yes. Yes. A large spectral guardian. Um, this time she happens to... She might be called Miss Tina. She's called Miss Tina every time, but this time she looks like Octavia Butler. All right. And once again, all you really see is, is the shield and the, the sword, but the faint outline of the mystical glowing energies from your goddess seem to, you know, give a face. You're not sure. Yeah, she happens to uh, look like in the pantheon of Bay, the uh, goddess of uh, of fictional writing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else are you guys doing, or or anything else? It's you, you do know that it's like mid afternoon. You guys came to the pocket house because you you wanted to rest before heading back up and out of here, but it it's only been like seven or eight hours it hasn't been a full day just yet was there anything you wanted to do here in the pocket house before you went to sleep yeah jonathan uh, make the a salad. Muscul- yeah jo- well jonathan the magimuscular wants to figure out if there is a magical effect that is causing the plants to grow like maybe the nature of this dimension makes plants grow to a certain degree because i don't think wait how long have we stayed what's the longest we've ever stayed in the pocket house 24 hours yeah well less a little less than that but you know that the teleportation circle collapses automatically after 24 hours and you were warned not to be in the pocket house when that happens or when it is closed uh, on purpose did we ever figure out did when we had the bartender spy guy in yeah when we had him in there he was in here when it closed right Yes. And we came back and do we remember if he, like, we were worried that he would, like, get, like, deleted or something or, or whatever. But that none of that happened. But did did he seem like he was in there for longer than we left him? Like, we left him in there for 24 hours, but maybe he was in there for, like, he in his perspective, like, three or four days. I will say when... When you went to go get him, you didn't ask him how long it felt like. I mean, he was tied up in your basement, so he would have no accurate estimation of time. The Madrins, as far as you know, didn't feed him. So it probably wasn't three or four days. And if I remember correctly, it, it was like a day. It wasn't very long that he was in there while everything was closed. It, but it wasn't long enough to uh, starve. Okay. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular notes that he wants to buy... Are clocks a thing in this? Are there gnome takers that make clocks? Um, they're rare, but yeah, you can you can find something. They're I, nowhere near as accurate as a lot of other ways of doing things, especially magic. Oh, that's, but- that's fine. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular wants to get two clocks and leave one in the pocket house next time that we leave it for a long time and keep one of them on him. Uh, or maybe put it in the bag of holding, and then 
Oh, three clocks. <laughs> he'll keep one on him. He'll put one into the bag of holding, and then he'll put the last one in the pocket house. And we'll have to make sure that there are... That we sink mm, them? And we sink them, and then I, I, I guess their operation will depend on what they are. Like, will they have to be wound or whatever? We can train the Modrons to do that. We can train them to wind the clock at uh, so often. And that shouldn't be a problem for them. Three clocks? Three clocks. I think that would work. Because then we can do three different things. Or we can do two different things. We can measure the passage of time in a, uh, in a bag of holding, which I don't know that anyone's really measured. We'd have to... I did. I was there for a minute one time. Right, but this would be for longer because unlike uh, Bernie Q. Burns, uh, this clock won't die in a, po- hey, in a pocket dimension. if you got me in some outside oxygen, we'd be fine. And then the other one would be for this house. I have a feeling the one for the house would be more accurate because the Modrons could wind the clock, whereas the one in the pocket dimension probably wouldn't get wound unless we remember to pop it out and wind it every once in a while. Yep. I'm good with having the moderns do a task. Anything that anything can be automated, the moderns should do. I feel like they like doing Speaking chores of coughing, and tasks. Um, I don't feel good, so uh, I'm going to yeah. go to bed. I'm going to put some finishing touching touches on some spells I've been working on and then off to bed with, for Jonathan the Magic Muscular. I'd say feel better, but I know those words have no magical effect. Sometimes they do, depending <laughs> on what class you are. <laughs> oh, Bernie's got to do a thing. Sorry, Bernie's going to do a thing in the morning when we have uh, spells back. Would gardening count as light, light activity that would not interfere with the long rest? Uh, hmm. I'm not going to consider it light activity. Like, we're obviously, like, chilling here for a while because it's middle afternoon. Yeah, if you're, you... If your plan is that you would like to leave the morning of the next day, which would be the day of the Feast of the Moon, you it's like four o'clock in the afternoon now at the latest. So you have more than eight hours in the pocket house. So I'd say if you wanted to do some light gardening, no, I wouldn't consider that. As, but I would still uh, have time to take a long rest after that. You would still definitely have time to take a long rest unless unless I am assuming things and you guys literally want to just eight hour sleep and then get back up in which case it would be like two o'clock in the morning i don't want to navigate this dungeon and water deep at 2 a.m there's all sorts of unsavory folk i know i've been there at 2 a.m in water deep i was one of those unsavory folk yeah but it's i mean it's totally up to you but if you wanted to do some some gardening i'm not going to consider it heavy work but no it'd be a little i mean it would kind of be akin to being woken up in the middle of the night by an by being attacked in where if you did less than an hour of it in the middle of it, it wouldn't interrupt your long rest, but it's still not considered light activity. Not if you're doing it right. I say knowing absolutely nothing about gardening and being a musician who knows nothing about green thumbs. Let me tell you a thing. Uh, My historic site had a retired old man who used to get up at six o'clock in the morning and garden for several hours and then come in and volunteer at 10. Sweet. And he was probably in way better shape than I will ever be. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt uh, a little bit of gardening now that I have this garden I've been so stoked about. Sure. What would you like to do? Uh, it seems to be very well cared for. So yeah, I'm going this would to... kind of just be aesthetics mostly. Yeah. Uh, I will, you know, do some any leftover weeding that needed to be done that Alistair Duke didn't get a hold of. I would do, and then I will cultivate some of the plants to. 
Uh, I don't know. Make a make a salad. I feel like I could make a salad with some of these things. Uh, okay. Definitely dig up some of the potatoes. I'm going to store them in it. I'll put those in the basement for later. Okay. Uh, the good and the bad news is there is not a weed to be found, whether it's because the only thing that you planted were just basic seeds or because... Um, also, we're in weeding... a pocket dimension where there's no outside... Yeah, there's no outside uh, contaminants. Also, you have three automata who don't sleep who have been charged with making this thing happen, and weeding is, of all the gardening things, the most zero or one that you could do. It's get rid of it. But yeah, there's definitely... Uh, if you would like to pick some of the the ripe things and make a salad absolutely you end up with enough for a a, a medium sized salad this isn't going to be olive garden endless salad bowl and it's going to be very heavy on zucchini and very light on lettuce you really only have like one of the heads of lettuce ready but okay. you've got like seven zucchini also yeah, I'll, go, I'll take it all to the kitchen. I'll take yeah. out one of my hand axes. I'll just start chop, 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 Bernie would like to talk to Carlton while he's harvesting his vegetables. Enjoy. Alone. Well, then, so Jonathan has gone straight to bed because he's sick. Travancore, while this cultivating is happening, what are you and Shadow doing? Travancore, having laid a heavy bit of information on his party last episode decides to uh, to excuse himself to whatever passes for his and shadow space his room and he's actually going to try something i'm pretty sure half elves can't do this but he's going to try to do it anyway i want to see what happens if travancore meditates okay you mean meditate in the sense of like when elves try to meditate for four hours instead of sleeping for eight yeah, I know that he won't be able to get the sleep effect from it, but he has time anyway, and it's yeah. low activity, so I mean, it would count towards a long rest in theory, and I want to see what happens if half-elf does it. Well, in this case, this would be less about what a half what happens when a half-elf does it, and more about what happens with you. So, tell me, how do you go about meditating? What do you do? What do you prepare? What, do you, what are you thinking about? All right, well, Travancore, um, you know, minimizes the light in the room. It might be like a natural candle, one or two, like, you know, make sure it's a nice thing there. He crosses his legs, crisscross applesauce, sits on the floor, uh, empties his mind, lets uh, thoughts pass. He doesn't try to block out thoughts so much, just let the thoughts pass and go on their own without trying to control them one way or the other. He breathes in very slowly and very deeply and breathes out very slowly and very deeply. He wants to see what thoughts come to him. Roll a constitution check. (laughs) You breathe and then you pass out. You breathe very deeply and die. (laughs) I breathed wrong, you guys. Need those strips. You breathed out, forgot to breathe back in. So uh, so that's a a four. Oh, dear. Never mind what the dice actually says. (laughs) Okay, you sit, you do your best to clear your mind, you breathe... You calm down. I mean, it feels good to just relax, especially after it's been a very stressful day. After a few moments of trying to enter a a meditative state, shadow ambles on over and butts into you for a moment. (laughs) And then kind of curls up behind you, like being a back pillow, which is nice. And then you're thinking about shadow and then you're thinking about other things. And no, no, clear mind, clear mind. And as you continue to sit there, it's not the most comfortable floors. Maybe you should have taken off some of your armor. Mm, maybe, maybe it would be nice to take off my boots. I could probably take the boat. Like these random thoughts of and 
distractions keep entering your mind. And while it's, it's nice to be serene for a little bit, and you certainly feel like you're enjoying actively resting and relaxing, it's a little too easy in this position to be distracted by the, the mundane of the physical world. While you are doing that, Bernie, you come across Carlton downstairs in the kitchen, using the kitchen for pretty much the first time since you gained ownership of this house. This is nice. Bernie, you want some salad? Yeah, actually, you know what I was thinking? We should make lasagna. How do you, what's a, what's a lasagna? Oh, it's really good. It's a thing that I learned how to make when, when, before, before I was sent out in the world, back, back, back when I was in the temple. Used to make it all the time. It feeds a lot of people, and it it it, it keeps very well. Oh, we can we can have it for breakfast when we wake up. Not a breakfast food, actually. Actually, one time, truthfully, if you love it enough, lasagna isn't any time food. I'll tell you that right now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> if you love it enough, it's a two in the morning when you're drunk. Food. Bernie, looking around, you have plenty of. Obviously, more vegetables than you know what to do with for a zucchini. You think there might be enough tomatoes for the sauce, but you have zero pasta. I got a feeling it's going to be hard to make, but Bernie's going to pick up a carrot and she's going to like absentmindedly start eating it. It's very good. It's really good. And she's going to, Coco snoots with her and she's going to reach down and feed him the rest of the carrot and pat him on the head and just sort of sit there and uh, pick as he's making the salad, pick tiny pieces up and eat it. I'm imagining like those tiny pieces are the ones that are flying yeah, away. Yeah, she's like, gonna catch them like, in like the out air. I'm just chop, 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 chop. <laughs> um, I have a question for you, Carlton. Uh huh. Chop, 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 chop. If you knew what a word for something meant, why would you purposefully use not that word? Wait, what? Like, say, if you had the word for emissary but chose not to use it. Why do you think that would be? Because, so, we have the word emissary, but we use different words. Yeah, so, if you were, if you knew what one word meant, but you chose to use something else that meant something different, why would you do it? And it, and I know that the different meaning is the different meaning? You know the different meaning is the different meaning. It's not like how I sometimes say one thing, and you're like, Carlton, that's bad. I'm like, oh. My bad, I didn't realize it, but intentionally, it's bad, and you know it was bad. Well, maybe not necessarily bad. Bad might not be the right, the right adjective, but, like, if you knew a word meant something, why would you choose to use a word that means something different and still claim it means the same thing? I don't know. Uh, see, I was never good with words. Uh, not my strong suit. Uh... I can definitely know uh, how to pull a scent or uh, howl. Uh, oh, so like sometimes you howl for one thing, but you really want to howl for another. Exactly. So why why not do the the first howl? Maybe it's because you're trying to. So if I were to howl for the for my pack, but I didn't want them to get in trouble, I would give a different howl that was a warning. So I would. Use the warning howl, but make people think it was the calling for my pack howl. How about this? If you were learning another language, and you knew the word for emissary, and you knew the word for viceroy, and you knew they were two different things, why would you call yourself <laughs> oh, a viceroy instead of an emissary? Yes, we are talking about Travancore. Oh, I thought it was just a language barrier thing. I thought it was...
was too. But he... If he knows that Viceroy means one thing, why would he choose to call himself a Viceroy when he knows our language well enough to know the word for emissary? You can't tell me that you're the Viceroy of something. But I thought Viceroy in his native tongue was the word for emissary and he was using his native tongue. I mean, yeah. he hasn't... His actions haven't proven him to do bad things to us. Here, let's put it this way. If mine, if the word for yes ma'am in my native tongue was you're a giant bitch, I wouldn't go around saying you're a giant bitch to everybody. I would quickly, quickly, if I knew that my word in my native tongue meant something different in someone else's language, if I was using that language, I would make sure I used the right word. Have you told him how you feel about it? He didn't seem incredibly receptive to it. And I'm, I'm truthfully sure not that sure I trust him anymore. I still trust Trav Inkler. He's a friend. He's my bow buddy. That's He's like your bow buddy. buddy. And then I have buff buddy and bear buddy. I would say have a heart to heart to him. And I think that we could come out on top. And if you found out that one of your friends had been keeping something like that from you, you're still okay with it? I don't think it was intentional. I mean, like I said, he's been by our side for a long time and has proven himself to be a good friend. And trust me, he saved my skin a few times. He saved your skin a few times. I definitely think it just needs to be talked out. Sometimes our words are more dangerous than our swords. (laughs) (laughs) Carlton, roll a dexterity saving throw. You'd have to roll a wisdom saving throw. Do I see the effect that's happening? Because danger sense. No. Roll a dexterity saving throw. Uh, 19. Carlton, this is obviously an important conversation for Bernie, and you know because of the nature of the conversation that you need to pick your words carefully in this moment. And so while you've been chop, 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 you take a moment and most of your brain thinks about the words that are coming out of your mouth more than your hands. Oh, no. And your hands kind of go on autopilot. But it's okay because your hands are awesome at being on autopilot. Oh, God, I still have all my fingers, everybody. I have all my fingers. And you need to just chop. So, but yeah, you... You almost pause for a moment as you consider your words really carefully. So if we have tr- Detective Travancore, am I Chef Carlton? At this moment? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I-, I grab a little salt and I just like, spr- I like raise my arm up and I just sprinkle it on. <laughs> you do actually have salt. You do. We do. We don't have, we don't have lasagna supplies, but we got salt. You have salt. I, I just, I, I gingerly sprinkle it on with like an upraised hand. I'm salt baying it for all of the audio listeners. <laughs> he is actively salt baying. Like this is not a description. This is a yes, Jonathan Sedlak is am salt baying in the closet of his home. <laughs> closet slash recording studio. Bernie's gonna, Bernie's gonna take a, a a last piece of lettuce and nibble on it and shrug and. Uh, Bernie, do you trust me? Until you give me a reason. Until you prove me otherwise. Well, if you trust me, at least try speaking with him before making any rash judgments. For me. Please? I can think about it. Okay. Did you want your salad to go? Yes. Did you make dressing? I don't know how. We'll work on that next time. I didn't get to that chapter. We'll work on that next time. Who's going to want to get a cookbook? (laughs) Shit, we don't have any bowls. Do Do we not have bowls? Do we just I don't think we there are any bowls that we could steal from the uh, underground there. All right, so we gotta we gotta buy some kitchen supplies when we go back in the. Town. Wait a minute, you're making a lot of assumptions there. Were there bowls that we could have stolen from the lair? <laughs> Listen, all of our furnishing is from like 
a bandits or thieves guild lair. Like it was a living room set. Was what we stole. You have some mismatched furniture. You have um, rotting flail snail shells in the basement. Rotting. Well, in in fairness, the 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 shells are completely fine. It's what's left over in them that might smell oh. horribly. Yeah, I I open up the uh, the basement door. How's it smell from the top? You don't want to put your potatoes in there. All right, I don't put the potatoes in you there. You can put I find, the potatoes like, the under the sink. I'll put, yeah, I'll put them in the cupboard. <laughs> okay. Bernie's going to like grab a handful of stuff and just go eat and go off to bed. She's not going to go talk okay. to Travancore. All right. Travancore, as Carlton cleans up in the kitchen, are you continuing to try to, to meditate? Yeah, this time I'm going to try and remove the distractions. I'm going to take off my boots and my armor. I'm going to take whatever passes as a blanket or a sheet and lay it on the floor so I'm a little bit more comfortable or a pillow or something. And I'm going to give it one more chai. Okay, yeah, so you you doff everything and, and lay it out nicely. You set up the floor and you lay back against Shadow again and as, as he's kind of started to snooze behind you and roll another constitution check. Okay, 21. Yeah, this is so much better. Uh, comfy. Comfy is the way to go with meditating. And for a very long time... Long enough that the natural light that's outside that you've, you've, uh, the sh- there are shades on the window that you've drawn the shades, but you can still see a little bit of light coming through them. And so you don't know exactly how long, but long enough that the light has completely faded and gone dark. You sit in, for a moment, quiet contemplation. You just kind of let the day wash over you, and then eventually everything just goes blank and quiet. And you feel yourself relax. And while you don't know exactly what the meditation is, and you don't know whether you're, you could do this instead of sleeping, it's, it's a nice feeling. It's a calming feeling. And that calm is very reassuring. And eventually, when you do feel the need to it's time to stop. It's time to stand up and stretch your legs and maybe go find some food before you go to bed. It's at least been an hour or two and it feels nice. I'm going to head downstairs to see if uh, there's any leftover salad. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carlton, about this time you would have gathered up the salad. And it's a, there's a pile of salad on the counter. Pretty much as a pile of salad on the counter and he's just kind of absentmindedly chopping up some of the leftovers and picking at things. We don't have any bowls, Travi. No bowls? That's, uh, we're not fancy around here. Yeah, we forgot to steal some. I mean, you guys do have in your packs, as far as, like, camping supplies, you've oh, got yeah, some, some basic silverware and, and bowls and things like you would have for camping, but as far as, like, kitchenware, no. I kind of cheerfully grab my, uh, my camping gear, I fix myself a plate of salad. And I when he does it. that, I was like, oh shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I think to myself, this could use some apples. Or at least papaya, or oh, oh man, maybe no, no apples. Maybe we add some uh, some cheese from a goat or something, and like some nuts. You know what we could add? That something from back home that's almost as good as apples. Jackfruit. Jackfruit's a superfood. Every kind of thing you need from a vitamin, mineral, uh, protein standpoint, jackfruit has. It's awesome. Oh, I bet we could find that in Waterdeep, like at a, an exotic food shop. I don't know if it grows in favor or not. I've yet to see it. Well, no, I'm saying like imported. That's that's fair point. Maybe we can go see if we can like get in the exotic out. aisle. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Next time we go, and you know what else we need? Thieves' tools. I was just thinking about this. How many times have Bernie and I had to do makeshift 
checks with swords and bobby pins. We need a proper set of these stools. And I, I kind of wish Bernie was awake because I thought maybe... I mean, it's not the right thing to do necessarily, but in the honor of what they are and what we're trying to be, I suppose, I, I would think we should steal them. I mean, why not? Like, what better test of our acumen or, and stealth? I mean, we could leave the money after the fact and just sort of steal it as a show because we don't really need it just necessarily. But to be able to, 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 to swipe it without someone knowing, that's the real challenge. It's not about stealing. It's about unlocking doors to new opportunities. Well, exactly. Exactly. And I want to prove that I'm worthy of these tools. Salad Carlton is super insightful. Salad oh Carlton is like... You're a salad I mean, like, savant. Because I'm actually eating something other than raw meat. I'm like getting the vitamins my brain has been missing. Actually, you know what's really ironic is that human beings are able to be human beings and have the brains we have because we started eating meat. So theoretically, yeah. meat Carlton should be a little smarter. <laughs> but too much meat. Yeah. Too much yeah. meat. I don't think meat scarcity is a problem in, in, uh, in Carlton's diet. But, you know, no. but I was – I just want to make sure you're okay. I, I know I dropped a lot on you guys uh, before regarding what the Viceroy of Glenmar actually is. Well, I'm assuming when you guys take over Faerun, like, it's going to suck. But because I'm your friend, you're going to give me, like, a position of power, like a prince or something. Well, here's the that's thing. that's what happens when you take over. It's not a real takeover, per se. It's going to be something that happens a lot more gradually. I think takeover is the wrong word for it. Um what we're going to do is we're going to establish a relationship. I'm going to be here. Hopefully in a few years, I'll be prominent enough that I'll have a reputation. I'll be able to start building alliances. I'm a noble. I'm able to do that. And, you know, they won't listen to the emissary. Viceroy is a title that inspires, you know, excitement in people. Like it, it's like the, it has a better ring to it. It's Sonically, it's better. Maybe I build alliances over time, build that peacefully and through trade and through everything. It's not a conquest thing. Yeah, but – I know Viceroy is your word, yeah. But if you start, in, if you introduce yourself to enough people, they might not let you get to that position of power that you want to because they see that you're trying to take that power. Well, some people are it's going a to language barrier that. thing because I not mean, everybody speaks Perconum. And I'm not uh, naive. I understand that there are some entrenched people who are not going to want any kind of upset to the balance, but they tend to be the ones who are most invested in suffering and sorrow. So some. It's, it's going to be a timeful thing. It's not anything that's happening right away. It's not like I'm going to turn on you guys at any second. I have no reason to. I have no desire to. You're my friends. I told you guys. The only reason I shared this with you is because I thought I could trust you guys. So how big will be my kingdom when I when, I, when you give it to me? Oh, buddy. Because um, that's how this works, right? Well, like I was... We helped you take over. So we get you... We're like, we're scratching your back. You're going to scratch ours in the long run, right? Well, I would think that, that the Crypt Garden Forest would need a protector. If and when right, the time okay. comes for uh, for Perconum and Faerun to to interact, but what if, what if even if you are as well respected as you are, when your people come over, what if the other people, like the the little folk and the other adventurers, what if they say no, sir, and they like try to rebel? Like we can't take on the entire populace of Faerun. The fact of the Not matter the four is, of us. if this was a simple matter of conquest, Conum could have sent armies here years ago. It's not. That's not what we're about. That's not what my kingdom is going to be. I'm going to do this peacefully or not at all. Well, I'm saying, like, what if, what if, like, you bringing your culture is not accepted? Like, what if they see it as like you washing over the culture of favor? Not that I have much culture. I grew up in the woods. I, 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 my culture has already been washed away. I got nothing. But some other people have very rich roots and heritages in Faerun, and they may not take kindly to, even if it is a peaceful thing, 
to having their history and their culture washed away with those of those from Burkhanum. I'm not seeking to wash away anything, except perhaps the willingness to throw away life so easily. This is a pretty dangerous place. I feel like there's a willfulness to it, an excitedness, and a wildness. But there's also a callousness. There's wizards and cultists running around, causing all kinds of chaos, causing suffering and death. There are wild. There are dragons out here that that burn things mm-hmm. on whim. Like we were talked to by a dragon who wants to basically use us as pawns because he's obsessed with musical instruments. You guys don't have dragons in in Perkanum. We've you com- do have dragons. We do you have, have dragons. dragons of all, you know, they're kind of everywhere, but I feel like if they had dragons in Perkanum and Jack was like, "Yeah, we've eliminated them all," he should have been able to kill the dragon. They're not as the fact that you have met a dragon here automatically means you've now seen more dragons in Faerun than you have in Perkanum, but you do know there are dangers and there yeah. are still wilds and there's still there's still things like dragons but certainly yeah. it, it's a little hard to tell but yeah you hadn't ever seen a dragon until the blue showed up in greenest well let me ask you this buddy yeah how did you guys get rid of all of your troubles well here's the thing it doesn't happen it's a learning process i mean at first it was straight up conquest but that didn't work out properly like we had a really bad incident um about a hundred years ago where um my uh, my uncle was actually supposed to be the one who inherited the throne, and uh, he was sent to reunite. There were a bunch of people from the beginning of our state who did not want anything to do with us. They called themselves the Alcar Presidency, whereas we went as monarchy, they went with democracy. Whereas we went with uh, you know, you know, blend of magic and science, they were Wait, more straight up science. Can we pause here for a second? Because I was pretty sure we established that like there's not a lot of democracy. Period in this world, is there like? There isn't. Can we get some, is it a, this world isn't, can we get some basic fucking rules as to what does and does exist? <laughs> like. No, I said there wasn't a lot of democracy, but. Not a lot. There are some. It's rare. It's super rare. Okay. Just like there aren't a lot of dragons. Effectively, what happened was he was sent to reunite our lost brothers with, with our kingdom. And what he decided to do instead is go in business himself. He went native. He abandoned his heritage. He abandoned our kingdom. And those are all fine and dandy when you're just an individual citizen, but when you're a, when you're an heir, when you're a viceroy, you don't get to do that. So my grandfather basically appointed my father as the new viceroy, and there was a war, and it lasted a very long time. And a lot of people died because they didn't, because he was so determined to do this by conquest. And maybe I've learned that bloodshed isn't the best way to go about this, and maybe I'm trying to be a better viceroy. So wait, your uncle was here in favor? No, this all happened back on our continent. I thought the Viceroy was to Faerun. My Viceroyalty. The Viceroyalty is to a different domain every time. So mine is Faerun. Or my, my, my mandate is Faerun. My father's was to basically kill my, my uncle. My uncle's was Akara. So every time is a different place. And every time the, the mandate takes a different form. And after all the bloodshed that we've had in what was effectively, a, I mean, I don't think it was really a civil war, but they were our brothers. They came from us. They were blood for our blood. I don't want to do this to Faerun. I'm going to be the best hero I can be. What the people of Faerun decide is up to them. If I'm a failure, if I can't go back home, I can't go back home. I've been here too long to be a conqueror. I have no interest in it. I have no interest in putting people under my feet, doing what my, my father did, doing what my uncle did, doing what my grandfather did. I'm trying to see if there's a better way, and I'm luckily I live a long time, so there's enough time to see if whether this will shake out or not. But you were saying that there's no, no, everything's peaceful and everybody's happy back home. There's no place like that. That's that's not. 
I think they're happy. I would say that their standard of living is a little higher. They have access to better medicines, better technology. They live longer. They eat better. They are able to find things for themselves. No one has to worry about whether there's enough food in their plate or a roof over their head. And why would you say that is? Of beings is going to be perfect when it comes to implementation. I think we manage our resources well. I think because my ancestors came from a failed world that they learned from the mistakes of that world. And they're trying to build a better one. Why not? Just hear me out. Instead of trying to, you know, like a slow, slowly integrating and appropriating and taking over Faerun, why don't you just marry into Faerun and like set up like a, a like a an alliance between the two? Like you and Olivia Passerac can make those little beautiful half elf babies, and then like y'all can be like happy, and then. You and Perkana and Faerun could be all like buddy buddy and like that we could be friends, but one would not be greater than the other. They would be equals. I have no objection to a relationship between equals. And it may come to that. I'd have to talk to Olivia about that to see if she's available. I think it's very premature to talk about any kind of Well, obviously, obviously, that's the only one you're so interested in. I'm just using her as an example. You should totally hit that. But you know, what I'm saying is <laughs> is is instead of like Perkana like Telling Faerun what's what, and Faerun being subjugated by Perkanum, why don't we come from a more of an alliance standpoint? And even if they Perkanum is better, they can share some of the stuff that made them better without being our superior, and we could be one united alliance that unite that is maintains our individuality so that we're not codependent, and then we can unite to fight greater foes such as like. If Thontorvac gets a, like all up in a up in a twist and like decides to start a dragon revolution, we got the archers of Perkanum, which are very well renowned, as I've experienced firsthand, and the barbarians and the wizards and the clerics of Faerun, you know, joining forces together as one and equals. I dude, salad is awesome. Y- you know what? It's, it's brain. It's brain food. Clearly, <laughs> work that twelve intelligence. I will. I will take all this under advisement, and I'm, I don't think I'm just saying that because I'm listening to what you're hearing. I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. I you have never shown me a reason not to trust. I'm you. trying to learn from the mistakes of my father and his father before him and my uncle, and see if there's a better way forward for my people. My only agenda right now is to be the best hero that I can be, to become the people, the person that Faerun looks to when it's in danger. It's a long road. I'm not saying I'm there now. I can barely climb a mountain of shit. But I, I killed a, I killed a, I killed an annoying wizard. I, I humbled Aslock and Kartha with, of course, you got, we all did that. Uh, so I'm getting there. Who? T- you mean asshole Amkartha? Yes, yes, dude. You know, if we ever find him. Use his proper name. Yes, yes I'm sorry. He's not even Amkartha anymore. He's just uh, asshole. Yep. Yeah. Just asshole. So point being, I want to be the person that, that Faerun can depend on. What happens after that is in Faerun's hands. Cool. cool. You get yourself to go. I don't have any dressing. Yeah, yeah. We gotta, I'm, we gotta I'm get a good. cookbook for that. Um, I've, I've been munching, eating, and talking this whole time, and by now I would assume my plate's empty. So oh, yeah. I'm actually gonna bid Carlton a good night and, and pass out. Yeah, pretty much all that's left is some, some leftovers for Jonathan when he, when he gets up in the morning. I turn to like when Travancore goes upstairs. I turn to the nearest Modron. Which one is it? We'll say Alistair Duke has been kind of just shadowing you this whole time because he's super excited about all these zucchini. Yeah, I, I turn to Sir Alistair and I'm like. I don't like it when mommy and daddy fight. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go up to bed. He looks confused, but shrugs. All right, so you're all heading to bed? Yep. Okay. Can you remind me of something? I can try. 
Did we say it was a poison that acts like a disease or a disease that acts like a poison? It is. Oh, right. Uh, Carl, uh, not, Jonathan's fucked up. Because I've been waiting to have second level spells. <laughs> but I'm suddenly worried that my second level spell actually isn't going to do. You are. Okay. I know you did enough checks from before. Yeah. You are pretty sure that it it's a disease you have to cure. Fuck. It is not a. Because that's. Because that was the thing you needed the next morning, right? Was yeah. you, needed, you needed a lesser restoration. And lesser restoration only does blind, death, thought- paralyzed, poisoned. A oh, one disease or condition. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've been I was looking about to at say, this that- the whole time, freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> I've I'm only like, no, been paying attention to these four. I've been spending 20 minutes going, oh, God, I can't cure him. Oh, <laughs> shit, he's going to die. Nope, he's not going to die. I had this great plan and it was all down the toilet. <laughs> you do no lesser restoration will work. You do know that you just didn't have any of Second that spell slot spells, available yeah. to to cure him. Okay, you all head to bed. Some of you with more thoughts in your head than others. The evening seems to pass mostly uneventfully until you all are 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 kind of starting to come to consciousness naturally. Like you're all kind of. It's that weird, you've slept enough, and so you're awake and asleep and awake and asleep and awake. And then there is this horrible noise from outside. This, the Faerun equivalent of a car alarm, just this. That you all wake up to. Is it Miss Tina? Uh, you've no clue. All you know is that you hear this horrible noise from outside. Perception check? I grab my gear, change, and run downstairs. Yeah, Bernie's gonna get changed and run to Jonathan's room. Run to Jonathan's room. Have we done enough sleeps to to get our shit back? You've done enough sleeps to get your shit back. Yes. She's gonna run into his room, lick his lick her finger, boop his nose, and cure him of his disease. Okay, that's good. Jonathan, you come to consciousness with this horrible, horrible noise. And while I would have had you roll 2d10 to see how much your hit point maximum was reduced by, Bernie runs in, and as you're like, oh, oh, she boops you on the nose and you instantly feel better. And then she runs oh. back out of the room and grabs her shit. As you, as you run out, you're like, thanks. You're welcome. Get up. We got something that's probably going to kill us. Oh, shit. Bucks, let's go. Hey, uh, yeah, I grab a uh, halberd and axe and I start running towards the door. Yeah, as I'm putting on my, uh, as I'm popping my collar, setting out the door, I, I'm like, oh, that was a weird night's sleep, mage armor. Oh, God. <laughs> mage armor. Okay. You guys all run downstairs. Uh, it is very obvious that this noise is coming, not just from outside, but out towards where the teleportation circle is. And the door is open and standing at the door is Felix. Felix is the, the starfish one. He is currently standing in the door in a way that seems obvious to be a bulwark of some sort, staring out. And behind him is Alistair Duke, futilely flapping his little tiny wings, trying to, like, look up and over Felix. And next to him is Piddleschmick, who now has all three of his spears in his hands. And they are all ready and aimed at the doorway. And all three of these Modrons are just, like, crammed into the doorway, looking out. And none of you can get through, because they're all standing there, angry, beeping excitedly. And you now can hear that it's Felix making this horrible, horrible, meh, meh, noise. 
right, I look at them and I'm like, gentlemen, we must protect this house. But you have to let us through the door. And Felix turns to you and you can now see that there was like a, a, a light going on in the center of his chest at the same time that you're hearing this noise. As they see you, they all nod. The light goes off and thankfully the noise stops and they move to the side. Are you guys going to head out? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. As, as soon as we're clear, Felix, reassume the position, protect this house. As you guys step into the doorway and you look out, you see a couple of interesting things. At the end of the the passageway that leads to the platform that the teleportation circle is on, there are figures that are not anything you recognize. You see what looks like zombies, actually. Two of them stumbling from the teleportation circle towards the house. Between them and the house is Bernie's uh, shield guardian, currently whipping around a, a blazing sword of divine energy, just flailing into these zombies, the radiant energy eating them up. Behind... And between her uh, guardian and the house are a couple of other figures, three kobolds, bigger than the ones that you've seen before, dressed in thick leathers with giant shields and swords, staring down towards these zombies, angrily chattering at each other. And as you get to the doorway and see all of this, one of them turns around and motions with his spear at you and causes the other two to turn around and they all glare at you. And next week, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Before we do that, can I shout something? Sure. I swear to God, if you trample my gardening, I will murder you. Roll a perception check. Why did you have to screw with the cinematic ending? Because it's Eight. funny. Eight. You can see that one of the kobolds has stepped on a zucchini. Oh. No! Oh, they're fucked. <laughs> and with that, we will pause. And next time when we get together, we'll see what happens when you guys have uninvited guests at your pocket house. Oh, I knew hey. this was going to happen eventually. <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of experience, and then we will, uh, we will pause until next week. So, <laughs> for all the fun of spending... In-game weeks and out-of-game months preparing for this garden moment. I was so happy. For <laughs> You basically took how many how long it's actually been in real life and we're like, it's growing that way. <laughs> kind of, yeah. For some very intense discussions about the nature of language and backstories and history, for making salad without silverware or bowls or anything. And for Zucchini, I will give you all a total of uh, 2,500 experience to split between the lot of you. And next time, you will be uh, woken up from your long rest. You will have had a long rest. So this is the next morning. You will have all of your hit points and all your new powers from leveling up because you're level 8 now. Yay! Woo! And and apparently you're going to get to test it out immediately as, as your pocket house has been invaded. Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular, and we are at 100 episodes. Yay! I am humbled that we have come this far with this project, and this last year has been phenomenal for us. I have 
a lot of people to thank. I want to first start off with my cast. John playing Carlton. Bernie played by Jules. And Travancore played by Jack. And of course, Lauren, our wonderful dungeon master, bringing excitement and storytelling and awesomeness to us every week. I cannot imagine a better group of people to work with on something like Dungeon Drunks. It's been it's been amazing. I also wanted to thank Wizards of the Coast for giving us a shot on the podcasts of Annihilation. That was so much fun. It was great listening to everyone's stuff and having guests and crossing over, and it was it was absolutely wonderful. It's opened up a whole new world for us. And lastly, I wanted to thank you guys. If you're listening to my voice, our listeners, our audience, I love you guys. I really appreciate that you choose to spend time with us and listen to our silly ass adventures. I am so grateful and hope that you continue to take this journey with us. It has been so much fun talking to people about the show, getting feedback from listeners about the show. It, it It's phenomenal. And I Thank you guys so much for listening to us and and being a part of this with us as well. Here's to another 100 episodes, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is Jules. I am the alter ego and voice of your gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. I have spent the past 100 episodes healing stupid, even though I claim to not heal stupid. But I love these fools so much, so you guys know I'm going to save them every time. Uh, but we are here today because we have hit 100 episodes and we just want to say such a big thank you that you guys have stuck with us for 100 episodes and that you listen and that most importantly you enjoy what we make for you. It is so much fun to sit down every single Monday night and play with these people. They're some of the best people in the world and it is amazing that I get to share really my imagination with them. And it is even better that I we get to share it with you guys. And we really hope that you enjoy what we've been making. And we are so glad to have you along on our shenanigans and our adventures and our mishaps and our strange, weird tangents. And we just hope that you have had as much fun uh, listening to these 100 episodes as we have had making them. And we cannot wait to go on many, many more adventures with you. Hey, this is John, uh, your half-work barbarian, Carlton Tanks. And I just wanted to say uh, thank you to all of our listeners for 100 episodes. Uh, couldn't have done it without you. And if there's anything that can quell a barbarian's rage, it's y'all's love and support. Uh, from our journeys from Greenest to Waterdeep, you've been by our side and I cannot be more grateful. So thank you and here's to a hundred more. Good people of Faerun, this is Jack Edithil, and I play Travancore, the half-elf Beastmaster Ranger and the Viceroy of Glenmar. Being able to play Dungeon Drunks with some of my closest friends over a drink is awesome. I'm glad you guys tune in every week in part to listen to an apple-obsessed archer and a fire bear. So rise, for you too are Heralds of Greenest. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com and see you next encounter. <laughs>